Hello and welcome back to the Future World Life podcast. My name is Ollie Henderson and in today's episode we've got Tom Hark. He runs the HR Trend Institute which he founded in 2014 and he spends much of his time analysing trends in organisational design, people and workplace culture. So we had a really interesting discussion. Uh, Today you'll hear us talk about the increasing trend towards personalisation at work, why it's training behind the consumer industry and what we can do to change that in the future. We'll also discuss the pros and cons of introducing coaching in the workplace and who the best people to do that are. And finally, we're going to explore the role of technology in business and HR in particular. Now, if you want to find out more about Tom, I'm going to put links in the show notes where I'll also include links to the Future Work Life newsletter. Thanks again for listening. Here's my conversation with Tom Hark. Yeah, so maybe we could start with this idea you've got from moving from a collective to a personalized approach how have you seen that change over the past couple of years and what's likely to become more normal um, going forward we have seen more in the consumer world still uh, than in the world of work uh, so in the consumer world at least it's more common uh, that mm. buyers are really and uh, with all downsides as well but are really trying to find out how are you behaving as a consumer or potential consumer online of yeah. course has so the google and the facebooks and, and those type of companies they know that inside out eh? they don't treat you as someone of a segment or a collective they're really trying to find out how are you behaving and yeah. how can we then tailor for example our adverti- advertisements to your behavior but also my local supermarkets they uh, with the data they have of my buying behavior then they are tailoring their offering to what uh, to what fits with me and that's not because i have a certain age and because i live in a certain postcode area uh, in the world of work that is still very uncommon to be honest you see it everywhere so you can talk about the uh, uh, expression of personalization in every area, but the, the most obvious one is jobs. Eh? Most organizations still have the job as the building block. And mm. we read a lot about it these days. Oh, we cannot find the people and there's a scarcity. And uh, they say, this is what we're looking for and we cannot find it. Instead of personalizing, you say, okay, well, let's see what is out there and what, what are the needs and the wishes of the capabilities of people in the market mm-hmm. and how can we tailor our offering to those to what we learned out of that data that does yes that job is not a good starting point yeah um so we i think you, your question is where do we stand i think we are still early days also because organization it's kind of ingrained in organizations that they, they find it difficult because they, they rather say, well, yeah, it becomes complicated because they do something different for Oli, the Tom. And, and yeah. uh, it's not standard. So it's maybe also more difficult to explain. We, we already saw that also during COVID again, uh, for example, uh, working from home or not, well, we can. But organizations had the tendency to standardize. Say everybody who can work from home should work from home. Mm. Instead of saying, well, there are maybe people yeah, who, who live very small or who have a family at home or who have a certain personality type that, 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 that does not work well 
to, to put people alone or they have certain work that so, so look at all kind of dimensions and then tailor your offering to but then say yeah but why can tom work from home and only not that's not yeah. fair but generally mm. well that that's most of the time it's not an issue because people understand and people like it yeah so in, in reality then so you think about that kind of personalization now this i've written a little bit about this and you particularly in those workplaces which do allow a lot of autonomy and they generally trust their people mm -hmm. and that tends to characterize this. There's the idea of job crafting where people yeah. can use their sort of unique way of approaching a subject and combine that with their skills to deliver the job in the way that they see fit. And usually, again, what characterizes being able to do that effectively is having a pretty clear understanding about what the desired outcome is. What, yeah. what, ultimately, looking beyond just what I'm supposed to do every day, what are we looking to achieve as an organization? I'm wondering how you scale that approach and also how that feeds into recruitment, because do you just recruit people who have great core skills and then let them work out how to do the job best? Or do you need some kind of complete fundamental restructuring of the way that you go about your hiring process? Yeah, bo both, I think, both your hiring process and the way you are organized in the organization. And you see, it, it, it's not a free for all. Sometimes it comes across, okay, well, we hire some people and then they go autonomously, they do their work. Yeah. <laughs> what a, but that's not what we see that those organizations that are able to scale it, eh, they choose, for example, a certain methodology, a model. Well, you know, those mm. model holacracy or the Spotify model, and there are others because they know that, well, that you need a certain structure and, and processes to make it work. Yeah, and that doesn't come out of it's quite rigid sometimes. Eh? So it, it it comes with a handbook, and you have to follow the handbook and be trained in the in, in the thing. And you need coaches, uh, scrum masters, agile coaches to to master uh, to make sure those processes work. Yes, you first you have to organize. You have to make sure that you organize yourself differently. Not easy necessarily, and then. You have to look at, and, and so organizations are doing that, say, how do we best recruit? And, and well, then you see that it's more about making sure that you have certain pools, access to pools of capabilities. Hmm. And uh, uh, often it's, it's, it's not only skills. Eh? It's, of course, also things like personality. And, and there are other elements. It's not only about skills. There are other elements that are important. But let's focus on the skills. You need access to certain pools. But, and that's the other element in the organization, you don't have to have all those. Those pools consist of people in the organization, but also people outside the organization. So it's, the, the, the boundaries of the organization also become more blurring. So it, yeah. instead of saying we we need to have everybody on board, you say, well, no, but which skills are so critical to our purpose or our, the way we, eh, that we really, it's critical to have them in-house and that we, eh, you can imagine, for example, some technical skills, especially for technology companies, there it's very important that you have those skills at, they, at the core of your organization. And that you have people who master those skills and also that you 
that those people stay in the organization a long time. Technology-wise, that's always very important because there you need people who understand the technology, who understand the market. That's often a yeah, very complicated process. But for other, you could say, more uh, common skills or, or scarce, if you only need certain skills sometimes, well, why would you have them in-house? You already see that. In, uh, you say, well, if we have certain specialists, we can find them outside. Yeah. But, but that also, that requires, and, and that's a very actual theme, uh, you could say skill management. Uh, uh, and that's also not one size fits all. But everybody has to stay in the organization as long as possible. No, no, no. That's maybe only for certain groups, for some critical this is the core of HR. How do you do this? And how, but but yeah, we, we, of course, technology can play an important role, but there's a lot of work to be done. Mm. Yeah, and you, you touched on one of your key themes from this year there, which is, and you'll correct me on the exact wording of it, but essentially that we need to move beyond the simple idea of um, HR only focusing on employees because yeah. and maybe yeah. redefining what that word employees yeah. means. And I think we, we struggle for the right language sometimes, don't we? Because the workforce has become a little bit more flexible, certainly within organizations, we struggle. Do we call them workers? Do we call them the flexible workforce? But the point is here that, as you described, we aren't or the best organizations, the most agile organizations, aren't limited only to those people who are on payroll every month. Absolutely. It is a bigger, more fluid uh, structure. Yeah. And that has to do with display. And so, so uh, it's access to capabilities. Mm. So you should, uh, where are those capabilities? And if you need them, can you access them quickly? Instead, eh? And that has also to do with, okay, are, for example, sp super specialists, are they interested to work for you? Yeah. Do they want to work for Have you given them a, a positive experience in the past? Or do you use them as, uh, 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 well, you know how, how sometimes temporary workers are used. Eh? Mm. So, so yeah. to, to, be, to be attractive for super specialists, well, you have to do something. But not only for super specialists, also for temporary workforce. You say, well, yeah, eh? we are, we, so, so the scope, absolutely what you say, it, you, you need to widen your scope. Say what, and, and that is a, a, a couple of dimensions. One is eh, looking at the total, at capabilities, and, and some of them are inside, some of them are outside, or some of them have been inside and are now outside. Some of them are in development because it also has to do with education and training. Eh? And, but there are other groups, other stakeholders that are also, of course, clients. Uh, uh, super, super important. But the, 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 there's always sometimes a, a big distance between uh, what HR in organizations is doing and, and, and the end clients of the organization. Yeah, It's a very broad subject. Uh, but, but yeah, it, it also makes... The li your your life very interesting. I'm a bit obsessed with this idea that our expectations of work and therefore the role of managers has flipped. Now we're working, particularly now we're working in a hybrid or remote way. So I'm curious whether you see the role of managers and organisations more broadly changing to incorporate coaching 
both of the skills required on the job, but more generally. Does that, and where does HR fit into this? Is it a line manager thing or is it an HR thing? I tend to say that we have put too much on the plate of the managers. They are responsible and they are at the core. And we, we, so we expect a lot of managers or leaders in organization. Mm. And that has resulted in, for example, all the competency models uh, uh, where we describe which, what are all the, the, uh, the criteria they should. I think that's not working very well. So uh, also there it helps to personalize in a way. So let, let's build on the, 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 the strengths people have eh? and let's not say it's one size fits all. So for example, what you were mentioning, many organizations have said that in the past, all our managers should be good coaches. Yeah? That's, we see that trend and that's important. So now, and then they look at HR and they say, HR, make that happen. <laughs> so, so HR uh, uh, modifies the selection criteria. They organize a coaching training. They put it in the, in the, well, the reality is most managers are not very good coaches. Some people are very good. Eh? So, so uh, let's put that in the, in the hands of people who are very good at that. Mm. But, and, and that could be HR. So there are also organizations say, yeah, HR, they are only there to advise and to strengthen. They should not take that responsibility. Why not? Often in HR, you find some people who are very good at coaching people. So, so put that with the people who are good at it. Some you don't need them necessarily inside the organization. Yeah, it, it, it all relates to a bigger question, which, you know, if we think that, Work is becoming more flexible, by which I mean there's a kind of this idea of decoupling of work from employment. And certainly people are staying with businesses for less time. They used to maybe mm -hmm. stay for yeah. 10 years, 20 years, and it's, you know, the workforce is far more fluid now. I'm just wondering how businesses think about that idea of learning and development by and I suppose I'm thinking here where this assessment about skills and transferable skills kind of falls into that to an extent because it's about an assessment yeah. and understanding about where people's skill levels fit I mean does the emphasis on learning development shift to the individual over time if this carries on playing out because you may retain this kind of core team of important yeah. individuals in the business and clearly you're going to invest in those people but where do you invest in learning and development for the more flexible workforce? And are we just going to have to accept that we're going to be invested? Businesses are going to have to invest in training people who then just move on to other organizations. Is that just a par for the course, if you like? I think so, yes. If you don't do anything for your flexible workforce, you become less attractive because also those people say, well, they on their list, they want to develop. Yeah. But the main, and that's always true, but the main area for development is attractive work where you can learn a lot. Mm. Eh? So also yeah. the flexible workforce is looking for uh, attractive work where they can learn. Yeah. So it's it's more about the ability to offer people attractive work than to offer them learning and development opportunities, which which is should be more or less the same. Yeah. And not separate. And that's another trend. Eh? 
let's call it learning in the flow of work that 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 might be too narrow but that's it's not about work and learning and development it that 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 it should be very much connected mm. and uh, and then it it becomes also less important whether you are doing that for people on the payroll or people in the flexible workforce because you offer them the learning opportunities in the work yeah and if you are able to do that, you are more attractive for people. But this is all. This is uh, again early days because the, the concept of learning and the flow of work is is just at the beginning. We need technology to do that in a good way, uh, but many organizations still still treat it as kind of separately. It's easy, I think, sometimes to also assume that technology will fix many of these problems or at least provide a solution which facilitates. Yeah. But actually, I like the phrase that you used in, in your trends report, which is about the idea of forgiving technologies, because actually yeah. it, you know, technology is clearly enabling new ways of connecting with people, whether it's uh, potential hires, whether it's employees. It also facilitates all sorts of improvements in employee experience but it can also be a blocker sometimes as the technology becomes more complex actually sometimes that actually Absolutely. prohibits people from using it to make better decisions within the organization and having the autonomy to choose how they act if you were to drop yourself back or rewind in time and you were just starting your career and you were thinking about going into an hr which areas would most excite you I would probably uh, go in, in, in the analytics area, the data analytics area, to see mm. because the, the, I have an affinity there and I like that. So that, that's probably yeah. where I would start. Uh, yeah. But that's not an advice to people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's also an advice because that's still a very good area to, to, to start these days, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but also the people success area is a good area to start really helping people to mm. to, uh, to function better that's another area which is but technology plays a part everywhere and data eh? so that yeah. you cannot you cannot say oh i'm not so interested in methodology i'm not interested in technology i'm not that that's more or less i would say impossible these days for either of those two areas you identified there human behavior is critical because Again, understanding data in isolation from the way you know, people are behaving is impossible and likewise you know, data can add so much to your ability to understand yeah. how to how to you know encourage high performance and well being and all of those other areas from from individuals. So it's really interesting. Is there anything else you've like to share with us, either related to some of the trends we discussed, or perhaps anything that we haven't touched on? One thing I always say these days is, and and I, I call that uh, the role of HR as activists. And I think that is still very actual. The, 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 the responsibility of HR to take a point of view and to, to, to not be a bystander, but really tackle issues inside organizations, but also outside organizations. And we still see a lot of that, that, that uh, well, there are many organizations where things are happening, where, where you can question whether you like it or not. Eh? And then the question is, what, where is HR in those organizations? What are they doing? Mm. What have they done? And, and uh, did, are they just observing what's going on in the organizations or are they taking a point of view and taking action? And I think that is becoming more and more important because also the expectations 
of 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 clients, the expectations of society is increasing. That to say, well, we and we see that in the current uh, 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 crisis we are in, the war crisis, etc. That you you cannot just say, well, we are an organization, and uh, well, it's nothing to do with us. Yeah, you can't get you can, you can't get away with that. Huh? Mm. Yeah, but still, some organizations are trying to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, and you can see through it. Pretty, you can see through it pretty quickly as well. So yeah. Well, uh, Tom, great yeah. pleasure to speak to you. Thanks very much for your time again, and uh, I look forward to speaking again soon. Thank you. Take care. And that was my conversation with Tom. I hope you enjoyed listening. If you want to find out more, as I said at the top of the show, you'll find links to Tom's LinkedIn profile and his website in the show notes. And also make sure you subscribe to this podcast for future episodes. I've got some great guests coming up over the next few weeks, including a former Emmy-winning war correspondent who's now a tech entrepreneur, a former World Bank employee who's now an award-winning retail entrepreneur, and a former advertising executive who's now an award-winning marketing entrepreneur. That was a difficult sentence to say, but I finally got it out. And with that, I will leave you to have a great week. I look forward to seeing you again soon.